2: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 18th, 2020. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert in site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip RR underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll talk about one of the few things that feels very certain at this point of the season or at this point of the delay, and that is that Markel Fultz had a really good year. Um, We'll talk a little bit about Markel and what his season means for the Magic's future coming up here in just a bit. Plus, we'll also hear from the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show as former Memphis Grizzlies executive and stats godfather, John Hollinger, explains what he thinks needs to happen before the NBA gets back to playing, we'll also update a little bit of the latest news going on around the league. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, research searching gravity download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here coming the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Obviously the big news in the NBA the Brooklyn Nets announcing that four players on their team have tested positive for COVID-19 and the coronavirus including uh, the Nets didn't report this but including according to Shams Charania of the Athletic Kevin Durant so obviously this disease is still spreading and still still climbing and even though a lot of players are asymptomatic I believe the Nets said that only one of those four players was was showing any symptoms it shows you the importance of social distancing, and honestly, the fact that uh, the fact that so many players uh, in sports, sports now, and, and Ottawa Senators reporting the first NHL player to uh, test positive for uh, the coronavirus, uh, having sports teams and players shut down for a little while is, is certainly the right decision. With with the amount of travel that they do, and, and obviously, there's a lot of Testing going on, and certainly debates about whether athletes should get priority for testing. Um, my my take on it is: don't blame the athletes. Um, you know, I think they are prime carriers for this disease. It's obviously clustered now within sporting sport teams, and they travel around. So it's I think it is important to know uh, who has it, who doesn't, and and so we can we can begin to figure out where the clusters of this disease might might be at. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, it certainly says something that, that yes, rich and, and high-profile people are getting the test when a lot of people who actually need it are, are still struggling to get the test. I would say don't hate the players. Don't even really hate the NBA for being able to get the test um, at this point. Uh, my, my take is blame... The government for not being ready with the test in time, um, but certainly you want the test to go to people who need it most, and 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 I think it is certainly debatable whether NBA players need the test test most. But in any case, for the latest on this story, check out Locked On Nets. I'm sure they're covering that um, profusely. You could also check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network in less serious news. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. That's big news here in Central Florida. Check out Locked On Bucks for the latest on that, as well as perhaps Locked On Patriots. As you can see, there's a Locked On podcast for whatever team you are interested in hearing more about. Uh, you can find these podcasts wherever you download podcasts To search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Whether it's the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, or college too, there's a Locked On podcast for you. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. There aren't a lot of things that are certain right now. Obviously, the big uncertainty is when do we actually start playing basketball again? Um, That's obviously a huge uncertainty that I cannot even begin to answer right now. Um, I've had a number of people ask me what I think the NBA will do when they get back or, or how they will structure the remainder of the regular season and the playoffs when they return. I've seen some interesting ideas out there, including one from Spencer Dinwiddie, but at this point, it is far too soon to speculate what the league is going to do. It is far too soon to say that the league say what the league will do, what the league can do, what the league should do uh, with with uh, with just a, a, a sporting events that just don't. It doesn't seem like they're going to be playing sporting events anytime soon. Uh, so I, I don't. I want to put aside that uncertainty. Obviously, that uncertainty exists, and 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 you know while we continue to do the podcast, and continue to have plans on on how we want to build build this up a little bit. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit more basketball here. Um, this Magic season has been a mixed bag, and and I'll be the optimist and say, and, and even I would say it's it's a mixed bag. Yes, the Magic are you know, likely, if the season had played out the way it was supposed to, likely to be back in the playoffs for a second straight year. That's a good thing. But nobody is satisfied with the team's record or the team's overall performance. While several players, including Evan Fournier, have had career seasons, it has been a frustrating year where the team has seemingly not taken the steps forward that it needs to take or that we want to see it take. And certainly, a lot of the optimism and excitement for the season Really got sucked out of the balloon. The air sucked out of the balloon when Jonathan Isaac went down with the lateral corner in, with the lateral corner injury to his to his knee on January first. Um, you know the injury to Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon in November. You know felt draining, and it, it certainly felt like the season was was on the precipice at that point. But there was still a lot of promise on the floor, and so I don't think it, it felt quite the same. And when Isaac went down. Yes, even I would admit that it felt like the season was just kind of going pro forma. The Magic's upper limits uh, w- was severely severely uh, uh, lessened when Isaac went out with the injury. So what did the Orlando Magic really have to play for other than the, the small carrot of a playoff berth? One that's worth going after, don't get me wrong, but a small carrot nonetheless. I would still argue and I will still argue that yes, the season is a disappointment with the on-court performance. The team did not take a tangible step forward in the standings. They didn't really show that they could get to that next level and and we saw a lot of this team's ceiling with some of the veterans that the Magic have. No doubt about it and of course the Magic were starting to turn things around just as the league went on hiatus. But I would argue the season is still something of a success. The season is not a total loss, and the season still provided a ton of value. And the main reason for this is Jonathan Isaac. But the other main reason for this is Markel Fultz. I hinted at this throughout yesterday's podcast when I talk about Evan Fordhand, how the Magic need to optimize Evan Fournier better when whenever they start playing again they found some spark offensively who knows if that spark will continue a month month and a half two months from now the magic found some spark and they kept it going the magic found some spark and 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 so the the trick when they get back is to reinsert one of their best offensive players, say what you will about Evan Fournier, and keep that mojo going. That would be, obviously, a huge, huge benefit. And the only way that works is to give the ball to Markel Fultz, is to let Markel Fultz be the primary playmaker. If there is one thing that we have taken out of this season, one positive thing that undoubtedly changes the course of this franchise franchise, uh, for the better, in a lot of ways, or you hope for in the better, who knows if it'll last, it is that Markel Fultz looks like he is truly someone the Magic can take in and be part of their core. It was a year ago that we didn't even really know, not even a year ago, it was almost six months ago, that we didn't even really know what we were getting in Markel Fultz. Just a week before training camp, the Magic invited media to watch the end of practice, and it turned out that was the first time we would see Markel Fultz on a basketball court in Magic gear. It was the first time that his work was made public, and it was the first time that the Magic let the world know that he is all clear for training camp, all clear to practice, all clear to do basketball activities. I don't think we can understate how big this was. How how much this news blindsided, a lot of people, myself included, and how much uncertainty was then injected into the season. We didn't know if Fultz was going to be on some load management program. We didn't really even know what to expect from Fultz. Honestly, my expectation for Fultz was come off the bench, do what you can, just get get back into the rhythm of playing again. And in that sense, Fultz has far exceeded expectations. Within five games, he was starting, and it was clear he needed to be the starter. He was clearly the better option, the better player for this team. In several games, he has been the catalyst to victory. Whether it was the steal against the Washington Wizards early in the season, his finishing kick against the Los Angeles Lakers, his 25 points against the Brooklyn Nets, he has been a difference maker for this team. And so, yes, he has still played like a rookie in a lot of ways. He has has not fully developed. He's gone through the rookie wall. He's gone through the ups and downs that you'd expect from a young player going through his first NBA season. But he has looked darn impressive in the process. Fultz, for the season, is is averaging a, a fairly robust 12.1 points per game, shooting five point two, uh, getting 5.2 assists per game, shooting 47.3% from the floor, with a 49.6% effective field goal percentage. Just three-point shooting still needs some work, but he's plenty confident shooting the ball. Which again, no hesitation in a shot is a big deal for Markel Fultz. All of it adds up to a guy that has so much promise. A guy that seemingly does make the team better and is ready to step up in the big moments. Fultz has been actually one of the more clutch players in the entire league by a lot of metrics. At the very least, the Magic can exit this season thinking, we have our starting point guard. Or we have a young player, a young point guard that we can groom and develop into our full-time starter. The Magic probably couldn't say that at the beginning of the season. They probably didn't even really know what they had. And honestly, my suspicion is that Fultz has been so good it has caught the Magic a little bit by surprise and thus their offense and their offensive design have lagged behind Fultz's ability and Fultz's readiness to take more responsibility in the offense. I don't think it is a coincidence that the Magic use the All-Star break to reconfigure some of their offense and to put the ball in Fultz's hands more. What's incredible about all this, too, is Fultz is only using about 20% of his possessions, or 20% of Magic possessions. He's essentially getting replacement-level usage. And what that means is, essentially, one out of every five Magic possessions ends with him taking a shot or turning it over. Essentially, only one in every five possession ends with Markel Fultz with the ball in his hands. But what's incredible is he has a 28% assist rate. He makes plays for all the players around him. He gets open shots for teammates. And that's what's really key for Mark. That's what's really key. Is Markel Fultz number one pick Markel Fultz? Is he that kid from Washington? Not yet. But Fultz has certainly earned his place with this team this year. The only bad news is this this hiatus is going to cut into what was going to be a really important summer for Markel Fultz. His first fully healthy summer. A chance to work on his skills and develop as a player once again. That's something that he desperately needs. That's something that he, he could really use, and perhaps he could use this hiatus to work on some of his skills. Again, I, I don't. I, I I think teams are discouraging their players from going out often. But yes, Magic players are still at the practice facility. I my understanding is the the protocol is one coach one player one basket you know trying to limit contact between players but players are at the practice facility just check check bo's uh instagram stories um, i hope they have lots more uh lots lot lot more hand sanitizer stations uh and i hope they bolt them down cuz cuz bo apparently is stealing the ball regardless of anything else this year regardless of The bigger picture, you know, items, where the Magic stand in the standings, the playoff picture, regardless of any of that, part of this season was refining who this team will be. Not necessarily who they are, but who they will be. And between Jonathan Isaac's stellar first half of the season, and now Markel Fultz's first full season in the NBA, the Magic have certainly refined some key pieces players that they expect to continue to grow and get better and further define their future with the team. Obviously, there are still a lot of questions about the future of the NBA this season and the 2020 season. Um, we're still currently in hiatus. That The NBA, of course, originally saying uh, they would take 30 days to reevaluate things. This, the Centers for Disease Control uh, coming out and saying that they recommend that uh, that there'll be no, lar- no in-person large gatherings of more than 50 people for the next eight weeks. That'll take us to about mid-May. Um, it, it, by all reports, the NBA is, uh, on the optimistic side, thinking of getting back to playing sometime in June, possibly without fans to begin with, as, as we still deal with the coronavirus outbreak, and certainly with more players coming, uh, you know, being diagnosed or, or testing positive for the virus and for the disease COVID-19, um, it, it's going to be a while. Um, You know, obviously a lot of players are in, are in self-quarantine who have been exposed to the virus in some way, whether from playing the Jazz, playing the Pistons, or now playing the Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers are slated. Ah, uh, to get coronavirus tests on uh, uh, this week as well. They've been told to to isolate and quarantine themselves because of their exposure, um, exposure as well. Uh, it's it's a crazy time. Um, you know, New York City is about to go into lockdown. It sounds like, uh, or Florida uh, and cer- and certainly here in Orlando, um, bars have been you know bars and restaurants have been ordered or asked to uh, only fill up to fifty percent occupancy. And no longer serve serve alcohol on site. No on site alcohol. No on site alcohol sales. Um, the the bars have essentially been ordered to close at 5 p.m. Wall Street, which is where uh, the Magic had their big watch party for Game One of the Eastern of the of the playoffs last year. Usually a a bustling place uh, for downtown nightlife activity uh, on weekends and certainly on a day like Tuesday for St. Patrick's Day um, is essentially closed. Uh, it is shut down essentially for. The foreseeable future, um, and so uh, a lot of you know, governments are are stepping in now to to make uh, to make sure people keep social isolation. They're trying to limit these large gatherings to just slow the spread down a little bit, and then and then the rest of it is on us to make sure that we limit our our contacts on the outside. But all this is to say, we are still a long way away from even considering getting back to playing NBA basketball, and certainly mid June feels a very, very long way away. I mean, at this point, it would be finishing up the regular season, you know, that final sprint, plus three rounds of playoffs before we would even get to early June, which is when the NBA Finals are typically slated to begin. Um, So it is a long, long way off. Uh, um, It's hard to even think about the process that will get us back onto the court. I do think it is important at this point to understand those steps and understand what it will take to get back onto the court. And so I think it's important uh, to, to hear from someone who might know a little bit more. On the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, former Memphis Grizzlies executive John Hollinger discussed with Nate Duncan what it would take to get NBA basketball back on the floor, what steps will need to happen for the NBA to get back. And, and I feel like it is important to, to listen to that, to have an understanding of where where this league is, is 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 heading and what this league will have to do in the coming months to get back onto the court. So I will leave the floor to John Hollinger to explain. Because
2: honestly, what this takes is some prediction over. What it's, what the world is going to be like, what it's going to take to end this crisis, what the prerequisites are for it to be safe, number one, to resume NBA games, Mm -hmm. and number two, to just resume normal life at all. I mean, I think to even resume NBA games, what would have to happen in your mind for for it to be, I mean, obviously we're not, you know, public health experts. We're not epidemiologists, yeah. but, I mean, we, we've been following this a lot. We know, I think, pretty well what the risks of this disease are and what some of the transmissibility is and the fact that you could be asymptomatic and still transmit the disease, um, all that stuff. So given all of that, I mean, for them to just start playing again, in empty arenas, like, what do you think the prerequisites for that I are? I think,
1: I think two things would need to happen. One, bending back the curve. So, so in other words, there needs to be some yeah. indication that this is actually under control. Um, yeah. So, second,
2: th- that being just for, to play in empty arenas.
1: Yeah. For. Yeah. And the second thing, uh, widespread testing. Yeah. So that, um, you know, if, if you were able to test regularly or be able to test, test the players and know that, Sort of everyone is clean, and then everybody is stayed clean for two weeks. Then you could probably start playing, right? But in in the absence of those two things, it's it's going to be really hard to to restart. You you on a on a sunnier note, you you raise an interesting point that this situation is so unique that it almost gives the league carte blanche to try literally anything. And it yeah. could lead well, to well, The league very, and
2: the players' union, yes. guess, you know, in agreement. But yeah,
1: it could lead to some very productive experimentation. Sure. Most obviously in terms of the play-in tournament.
2: Yeah. Well. Well. Here, let's uh, let, let's table that for just a second here to just talk about like what what would need to happen for them to even start first. But I I think I agree with you. Like you basically, number one, you, there would have to be widespread enough testing, and also obviously you know, to the point where you're not taking tests away from people who need it, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. going to be, you know, people who actually are symptomatic, uh, you know, NBA players just who aren't showing any symptoms, like, Le- shouldn't be getting yeah. tested until we Re- have enough testing kits for everyone. That's, Restarting that's
1: the NBA comes second to a public health crisis, right? I mean, that's yeah. clear yeah. and yeah. obvious, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so pres- presumably, you know, a month or two, maybe we have enough testing for everyone that needs to be done. I mean, I think at some point. The, just to have everyone in the entire country tested would be a really good idea. But, uh, that's, that's just my thought. I, I don't know what uh, public health people think of that, but just, just so people can know what their status is and make informed decisions. But so let's say you're able to test everyone in the NBA, right? So, I mean, the, the realistically that couldn't happen for at least a month and a half, two months at the earliest, I would think, right?
1: You would, so, you would think. I mean, we're not. Yeah. We're not experts in this field, but r- yeah. ramping up the testing capability has, has seemed to be going slowly, certainly.
2: Um, and so then you also have the issue that it's not like, like, okay, you can tell players to self-quarantine, but can you tell the people in their houses to self-quarantine? A lot of these people have, you know, family that's all around. I'm sure players are going to want to spend time with family, spend time with friends. You don't know what they're doing. So at any time, I mean, you really, okay, you've got a negative on the entire NBA, right? I mean, and you can hope that you, you got at least all the players tested. Now there's also the traveling party too, right? It was 58 people in the Jazz traveling party. I would imagine if they start, if they restart games, they would try to really knock that down to essentially just like coaches and players. You know, I mean, I think you. to the you extent. still have,
1: I mean, just from, just from having been on the. I mean, you have, you know, you got the trainers, trainers, yeah. you got the strength coach, you got um the equipment yeah. manager, you got. I mean, well,
2: so so you might have to just find a way to not bring the strength coach. You know, I mean, like like maybe he can't go. Maybe mm-hmm. you're bringing that you're two front of the bench assistant coaches, and that's it. Right. I mean, I think right. they might have to really cut it down to like you know the trainer's got to be there. You, you know, the team doctor's got to be there. The, I mean, you just cut it down to like you know what a high school team would be basically. I mean, what right. you just absolutely require, you know, the equipment manager absolutely required to play the game. No executives. I mean, they're just like you're not. Those people aren't essential to play the game, right? I mean, and so, yeah. um, but I, I mean, who knows that that's even if you're trying to get ramp it up as fast as possible, and you know, but then you have the problem of like, all right, well, you know, are you really going to be monitoring the players 24/7 to make sure they're not coming in contact with people? I, I, like the more I think about this, it's, uh, it's you need it very, under some
1: control problem. in society at large, or it's, or it's going to bleed into the player pool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I mean, and I think, so what it's going to get back to here is, I mean, so at a society level, how, how do things get back to normal, right? There's a, there's a few ways that happens. One is obviously there's a vaccine and it's widespread enough that then you don't have to worry about it. I mean, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is, so many people have it and recover that you have like some kind of a herd immunity. I don't think anyone wants to count on that. Number three is basically, okay, we flatten the curve enough through social distancing at the beginning here for, you know, whether it's a month, whether it's three months, whatever this is going to be that we basically just decide, okay, the curve is flattened. The people, like if you are a vulnerable population, you're still not going outside. You're still isolating, but that like, normality has to return and just the, the risk. And again, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying this is one thing that, you know, might happen is where you say, all right, it's time. To, it's been three months. We can't just totally stop society. Like life has to go on at some point. Our, the curve is flattened enough that our hospitals can handle new cases. If you're a vulnerable population, you still need to stay inside. And life just kind of resumes. And we just decide as a society, yeah, you know what? Some people are periodically going to be getting this. They're going to be out of commission. But we're just going to deal with the transmission of this virus, especially among populations who are healthy and hopefully can handle it. I mean, that's those are kind of the three scenarios that I see for like any kind of resumption of normal life, including obviously basketball games.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you say that. I mean, one and two will would take an extended amount of time. Yeah. Number three is is the only one that has us playing basketball games.
2: Yeah, I mean and or I mean when now when you get back to just a specific basketball lens, I mean you really I think if you're cuz if you're going to take the position that we can't play basketball games if there's any risk of those games resulting in transmission of the virus, you're going to be waiting a very very long time. I mean you you'll essentially have to be waiting until society itself completely restarts.
0: That was Nate Duncan and John Hollinger on the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. Uh, a great conversation on what the NBA might look like coming out of this break. Uh, some 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 interesting thoughts and important thoughts. Obviously, I think I think somewhat self evident that that the NBA is not coming back until society is a little bit more back to normal. Um, just because of, of, of just the the need to slow the spread of this disease, and so we're all patiently waiting and hoping and doing our part to help slow down the coronavirus and, and COVID nineteen. Uh, so uh, some some great thoughts from them. You could find that podcast wherever you download podcasts and search for search for a Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. They've done a lot of great podcasts. You could go back into their archives. They ranked all the coaches in the league. They talked about uh, they've talked in the past about the best young cores in the league. They've talked. Uh, really covering the whole gamut. John Hollinger has such great perspective uh, on the on the NBA, having worked inside a front office for for uh, several years now, and of course being uh, the, the the analytics godfather around the NBA in in a lot of ways, at least as far as as the writing of basketball analytics. Uh, so definitely check that podcast out if you can. Also, be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast, our our flagship podcast uh, covering the national issues. On today's episode. John Corrales and Jake Madison discuss Kevin Durant and the new COVID-19 cases in the NBA as well as the teams hurt by the hiatus. Uh, Yes, there there, there probably are winners and losers in the hiatus. I I would argue the Orlando Magic are probably losers in this hiatus uh, unless Jonathan Isaac uh, is able to come back uh, when the season resumes. I'm, I'm still not
3: Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, but
0: that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Magic. I do want to thank you all again for listening and tuning in to us as we try to discuss a little bit of basketball, keep things a little bit normal. We'll have plenty more to say uh, coming up in, in the coming, coming days and weeks, of course, about the NBA season. I, I'm planning to do some draft previews coming up with the with what was supposed to be the NCAA tournament taking place this week. Um, Plus, Fox Sports Florida will be re-airing some some Magic games from this season, the top Magic games from this season. I'll have some thoughts on my favorite games coming up in future episodes as well as we get kind of into the dog days of this hiatus. But uh, you can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philip r underscore md, of course. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rostenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.
3: You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network.